We can turn to Luke chapter 10, verse 25 to 37. Luke chapter 10. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, And who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, he passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He then, excuse me, yeah, he went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day, he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Let's say our scriptural declaration together. Lord, we, have, we honor your word to us. May your truth become our heart's pursuit and our life's practice. All right. Thank you very much. Appreciate it, Paul. Are you guys just a little bit warm? Okay. Well, <laughs> okay. So a couple of admissions. One, my wife is always back there fanning herself uh, so I can never tell. That's why I have to ask you guys. But if you don't mind, Scott, if you could drop that one and then maybe turn, make sure this one is turned on good and drop that down. You know, I get, I get complaints from some of you guys sometimes. Y'all talk about me hanging meat in here. Uh, you know, so, well, today it's finally uh, a little bit warm. I got one other admission to tell you today. I lost my phone somewhere this morning. So if I just stop in the middle of my message and I start doing the pat down, y'all know what's going on. I mean, are you guys uh, with me? Do you have a hard time? Every time I lose my phone, I feel like I'm a personal failure and nothing has ever been good in my life, but that's just me. Um, well, yes, I appreciate the opportunity to share with you. I appreciate also the chance for my son-in-law to be able to share with you last week. Before we get into today's message, I will make a promise to you. We will be out before noon today. That's, uh, that's, I just knew I was going to get an amen there. I, I didn't know, but uh, we'll be out before noon today because we kept you just a little long. We had a lot of ground to cover. But I do want to share a couple of uh, pictures from our crawfish boil because some of these turned out so good. Now, I will also just warn you, 
These were taken by Scott Young and then shared with me. So if you see something and you go, wow, Pastor Randy, that feels like you're a little close to Alicia. That's where they come from. Uh, and, and so Scott is okay. See, they were, that's what I'm talking about. Like right off the bat, it's Alicia. Um, we have our crew, our, our crawfish boil crew. This is our crawfish boil crew. Uh, we had Oscar. We had his daughter, Kayla, and Frank. And Frank came prepared. I mean, he even had a t-shirt to celebrate. And so we had a great time. If you weren't here for the crawfish boil, man, you missed it. The food was incredible. The fellowship was tons of fun. It was just a great day to kick off the holiday weekend. Let me go ahead and look to a, a couple of others here. There's you guys. We had a good crew and a good crowd. And and my brilliant wife uh, did say, let's get extra corn and extra potatoes, because even if you're not into crawfish, you definitely like the corn and potatoes, at least you're uh, in a much more high likelihood. So man, we had it all set up and all going on. The food was incredible. Let's go to our next slide. There's, uh, uh, yeah, so there's Shelly and I on the right, and then Kendall and Alicia. See, I told you Alicia was going to figure prominently into this uh, and, that, and that's why. So, uh, but I do want to mention uh, those ladies were very helpful. There's Lee, there's Jada, and others that are getting food. We had land-based options, and uh, we even had a mixture of the crawfish with the land-based options. So if you did not know, those hot dogs, there were at least a couple of you guys who took the, the hot dogs and then went and dunked them in the crawfish boil water to like let those things, the, the hot dogs came out about this big around uh, and uh, they were rather spicy. But yes, they, they had a good time. They enjoyed it and it was tons of fun and just a really great time. Is that the last one or do we have one more? Um, that's the last one. Okay, very good. I do want to also mention to you guys, we have a brand new member here in this church. If you have just been coming and maybe missed and you haven't heard me talk about this lady, you probably didn't realize that Felicia Castro was pregnant because she looked like she was about two months pregnant and she told me she was eight months pregnant and I just about dropped my jaw. So I think I have gained more on a cruise than she did in her entire pregnancy. Can I get an amen out there? But she, she literally was just like walking around with this baby just right here. Uh, she gained eight pounds, nine ounces in her entire pregnancy, had a baby, and it was seven pounds and nine ounces. So we're excited for her. Also a little jealous of her uh, as well. But Vincent Chandler Castro, that's him in the middle if you couldn't figure that out. But uh, we've got, of course, Eddie, Felicia, and little EJ, and then the star of the show right there in the middle. That is Vincent Chandler Castro. And I said, okay, you got to help me out. There's a lot of options here. We got Vince, we got Vincent, we got Chandler, we got Cha, I guess. I don't know other things, but anyway, they said they will probably be calling him Vince. And then there's one more picture that I wanted to share with you guys. That's little EJ with his brother. The kid already has more hair than I do, which is a little rough for me to deal with, but what a blessing it is. Um, over the next couple of weeks, we're excited about having the chance to, to welcome him in person, uh, but we are excited for them. Just continue to pray for them. And uh, we're also going to be praying for our teens, not just to have a safe travel, but also to have a great week of camp. So let's bow to the Lord. And uh, before we get started in our worship uh, around God's word, let's just ask these things to be blessed um, as we begin. Heavenly Father, uh, we thank you for this beautiful new life that is now with us. And 
We're excited about Vincent Chandler Castro and all of the things that he will experience, all of the life that he will live. But Lord, above all things, we, we know that because you live and because you have a plan for each and every one of our lives, you have brought him into the world for a specific purpose. So just watch over him, guide him, and protect him all the days of his life. Continue to be with Eddie, Felicia, and EJ, his brother. Just bless them as they walk that path along with him. And may he always be close to you and know that you love him. Uh, in every step of the way. And Lord, as we uh, release our teens to go, as we send the 20, 25 people that are going to be up there at Encounter Camp this week, I just pray that your blessings would be on all of them. Keep them safe as they travel, but above all things, Lord, help their hearts to be open and ready to hear from you as you uh, speak to them, as you encourage them, as you call them to yourself, we pray. And uh, God, thank you for this opportunity we have around your word. May our hearts be open and ready to hear from you. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said, amen. Amen. All right. So let's go ahead and get started with our time around God's word. This is modern family values that we've been talking about. And we have had a couple of interruptions, including Mother's Day. And then last week, uh, some of you guys uh, got to meet my grandson, Ben. By the way, got to take him to his very first beach day. It was excellent. It was awesome. Um, the kid already has been out. Into, no, I'm kidding. Uh, we kept him very close, uh, but we had a great time, lots of fun, and maybe I'll share a picture or two uh, over the next couple of weeks. But here's where we've been over the last few weeks. The week one and two, we talked about grit, and then we had Mother's Day that happened. And then we talked about the positive attitude, what we're passing along and how to do that, and then a couple weeks back, we talked about character, including the humility factor, the being willing to sacrifice, being kind. And then today, here on week six, we're going to talk about value. And we're going to talk about that, I think, in a way that will be fairly clear. But as you know, and I never claim to uh, be a person who comes up with every single element of the message just straight from my own brain, hopefully, prayerfully, uh, I am hearing from the Lord and preaching and teaching his scriptures, but I also used modern things. And I did a little Google search the other day, and here's what I came out with. I want you to notice this. Can you imagine 20 character traits for kids to succeed? I mean, only 20, I guess, because 19 was too few and 21 was too many. I mean, can you imagine having only 20 things to check off your list and teaching your kids? Or if 20 feels like a little too few, you can go down and look at 33 life skills that every parent should teach their kids. I'm going to tell you something. I felt like whenever my kids left with all of their clothes on and all the shoes on the right feet and the teeth brushed and hair decently combed on at least one side, I was like, man, success. I mean, that's as good as I could hope for. I was way too busy just living my life to worry about 33 things that I should be teaching my kids at any one time. Can I get an amen, especially from my mama's in the house, right? I mean, my goodness. You're constantly pouring into your kids, and this checklist of 30-some-odd things is just way too many. But isn't it interesting as we look at this passage of Scripture that Paul just read about the Good Samaritan and how the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, they were constantly trying to trap Jesus. And if you know anything about them, they had taken the Old Testament and they had written down every law. 
And not only was the Ten Commandments enough, they put into that and interpreted from each one of the Ten Commandments additional things. And they had literally over 200 and something laws that God had given them according to them. And so it was a crazy thing. You could never memorize all 200 plus of them, much less keep every single one of these. And so the difficulty is, is that these people were constantly saying, oh, you've broken a law. Oh, you've broken a law. Oh, you've broken a law. You've broken a law. And let's be honest, man. If you really want to get serious about keeping the Ten Commandments, it's pretty tough. Now, I don't think most of us are worried about, you know, having the problem with murder (laughs) or, or stealing or something like that. But when you're talking about keeping the Sabbath day and honoring your father and mother and not coveting and not bearing false witness or being truthful every time, those things start to get a little hard at times for us to keep. Now, we can, but imagine having those 10 spread into 200 plus different things to be kept. It was just way too many. And so as Paul was reading just a minute ago from Luke chapter 10, we see a really interesting conversation happening between one of these teachers of the law and between Jesus and him. And Jesus has said in his word uh, at, at different times in the gospel accounts, and maybe this man had heard it, but Jesus has said all of the law and the prophets, all of the Old Testament Hang on two commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. These are the two things that if you can't even keep up with the 10, do these two. We call these two the greatest commandments. And so as you look at these two, there's a conversation between Jesus and this man. And he says, what must I do to have eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you know, keep the law and the prophets. And he says, well, What do you think the law and the prophets say? They go back and forth, basically. And Jesus says, well, you tell me what you think. And he, in some way, parrots back to Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Now, so far, this is looking good for this guy. This is looking like an actual interaction that can change a life. And we know that Jesus always changes a life. There's no doubt about that. But we see here a question. And the question is that in that moment, the Bible says that he wanted to justify himself. And so he says, okay, well, if I must love my neighbor as myself, then tell me exactly who is my neighbor. And when he says that, Jesus answers that question with a different vibe, a different thing. We call it the parable of the good Samaritan. Now, how many of you have ever heard that that term before, a good Samaritan? There's literally laws on the books in our society that they call good Samaritan laws. In other words, if you show up and try to render aid as a person or a citizen to someone who has had an automobile accident, you can render aid because, say, for example, you go and try to pull somebody from a a car that's had an accident, you pull them out, and they sue you because they had a problem with their leg or their back or something like that, but you saw gasoline dripping near a fire. In their, you know, you're trying to be a good Samaritan, trying to help. There are good Samaritan protections for us, just common folk, 
that help us to render aid and be a help in that situation. And it all comes from the parable of the good Samaritan. So this is something that you have heard of, even if you are not necessarily a great Bible scholar or student, you know that what a good Samaritan is. He's the person that steps off of their sidelines and steps into your situation and begins to be a help to you. So let's keep going here as we move on. Don't miss this. Your children are going to respect you and themselves if you parent not to instill an empty self-esteem, but a healthy self-worth based on their actual character and competence at tasks, both big and small. In other words, here's what I mean. Let's go back to that scenario I just talked about. Somebody is there and you can literally save their life and yet you choose not to because you don't want to get involved or you're worried about things like that, that you know we talked about just a moment ago, maybe being sued or whatever craziness that happens. Can you imagine the horror if that situation went totally sideways and that person was injured or even worst of all, killed, and you could have prevented it, but you chose not to because you just didn't want to get involved? You see, that's gonna be something that affects your view of yourself for the rest of your life, right? Man, I can, I, I'm struggling with this because I know I could have done something. I chose not to do it. That long list of things that we talked about with the 20 and the 35 and the four and the seven and all those things, almost every one of them includes that you and I are to encourage our kids and our grandkids, our, our nephews and nieces, the people that are in our life the things that we want to pass along to them, one of them almost always is what they call self-esteem. Self-esteem. Now, here's what I want to share with you. I think it's very important for us to understand that self-worth and self-value is good, but to give them a sense of self-worth and self-value just simply because uh, it's easier to do that, then not do it. Oh, we love you, we love you, you know, constantly that kind of thing, but never ask for them to rise to that occasion. We're hurting them and we're hurting ourselves. Now, let me just share this with you very quickly. If you don't understand, I wanna be a little bit more clear and make sure that we're on the same page. How many of you have ever been complimented for something that you knew that was not difficult? It was not hard and it could have been done by almost anybody, but somebody makes over it like it's a big, huge deal. And you just go on and on and on. And they just are almost embarrassing you for this small, nonsensical thing that you've done. Have y'all ever had that happen to you? In some way, you almost go, really? <laughs> and inside, you're like, I'm not all that. <laughs> I mean, I did something small. Now, I'm not saying in any way that we shouldn't be grateful for small efforts and doing things that they don't have to do. But for your kids and for my kids, we can tell them that they barely have to make it by and you keep praising and pouring on and heaping on self-esteem building praise and inside they begin to doubt you because they already know that they haven't actually made an effort. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? So that kind of self-esteem is about this close 
from being popped like a balloon because it's called the real world. And the minute that they get out into the real world and they give these half efforts and half step their life and never really try to do anything of worth or value or give their very best effort, guess what they're gonna do? They're gonna go, well, oh, maybe I'm not what I've been told I am all of my life. Now, I wanna be very clear about something. I turned in a paper to two different professors. Now, they knew I was using both, uh, both classes. The professors in both classes knew I was turning in, in the same paper for two different assignments because they had overlap, okay? Y'all don't be judging me now, all right? But, okay, here's the deal. I did write the paper, okay? I got an A in one class, and I got a C minus in the other class on the same exact paper, this person said, this is great. This person said, I know that you can do better than this. Now, let me ask you a question. Who did I like better in the moment, Professor A or Professor B? Who did I like better in the moment? A. Who did I respect more in the long term? Why? Because he knew I was capable of more. And guess what I knew? I knew I was capable of more. So we come back to this idea of pouring into our kids with self-esteem. I am a person who believes that you should heap praise every single chance you get. But do not praise them for playing video games while you work your tail off. While you're doing tons of stuff at home. Ask them, come and help me. Jump up, come and do your part and do your chores. Because for most of the time, our kids, we don't ask them to do even half of what we do, and yet they think that they're doing us favors. And in the long run, we're not doing them any favors. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? Now, I know it feels like I'm meddling here, <laughs> okay? I get it. I know I feel like I'm kind of pressing on something, but I'm telling you, in the long run, do you want your kids to respect you or not because this matters spiritually because if they don't believe that you are trustworthy and worthy of their respect if they don't believe that you are going to push them to be better even if it makes them uncomfortable or doing things that they don't like they're a lot less likely to listen to you in all of the ways that you are trying to pour into them so be a parent that is worthy of their respect and make sure that they are giving their very best and then watch how it changes them and develops them. Now, I want to just share something with you very quickly. For most of us, if we really stop and think about it, part of the reason that we have felt good about ourselves is because we've learned to develop our character and our competence. And in turn, it gave us confidence. Now, here's what I mean. I've shared this with you guys a lot in the past. It's three steps to success, but hold right there for just a second if you don't mind. I want to read this. Don't miss this again one more time. Your children will respect you and themselves if you parent not to instill an empty self-esteem, but a healthy self-worth based on their actual character and competence at all tasks, big and small. In other words, if they do a small task well with a good attitude, praise it. 
If they do a big task well, even if they fail, praise it. But if they do nothing at all, tell them that you love them, but tell them that you expect more from them because you know what they are capable of. Have any of you guys ever had one of those really hard conversations with somebody? A really hard conversation where you have to look at them in the eye and say, I know you're capable of more than this, and I'm not satisfied with this. It's not because you're not capable. It's not because you're not able, but it's because you haven't done what you're capable of doing. Now, we're going to talk about that in a minute with the Good Samaritan, and it goes deep. But we're going to go into that in just a moment. But I just want to make sure that we're all on the same page. And let's, I'm going to rifle through these really quick, Colin, if you don't mind. So let's check it out. Here's what I've been talking about. Three elements of success. That's competence, confidence, and character. And you have to have all three to have any kind of confidence that lasts and sustains. Competence is the ability to do something well. Confidence is belief in yourself to succeed, whether that's right now or in the future. And then character is a learned quality, a level of self-discipline and ability to take the L. Because the truth is, is that if you protect your child from ever having a loss in their life or your grandkids from ever losing in their life, there will be a time where you're not around to take the L and they haven't taken the small ones that have prepared them for the big ones. So be careful that you can lose or you can learn, but you can take the L either way you want. Now, let's talk about it real quickly. If somebody is not competent, but they are confident and they have character, they're probably going to get transferred. In other words, here's what I mean. They probably are people that you want to work with, but they just can't handle this particular job, but you want them around in your company. They'll probably get transferred from this job that they can't do to something that they can, but you'll keep them because they've got character and they're willing to try. You guys see what I'm saying? So let's go to our next slide, three elements of success. If they're competent, but have no confidence and they do have character, they're probably gonna frustrate everybody. This person is known as an underachiever. Not because they can't do it, but because for some reason they're so scared that if they screw it up, they'll be blamed for something that nobody would blame them for. So their confidence prevents them from doing something they actually can do, even with high character. So they're probably just going to be that person that frustrates everybody at work. The person that occasionally turns in a 10 of 10 on work and then turns around and refuses to do something that they could easily do that would help the team. You guys with me? So this is how this goes. Three elements of success. Let's go to our next one. <laughs> they have competence and they have confidence, but they don't have character. They're probably going to leave or get fired, you know, because you've probably had this at your situation where they just can't seem to show up for work on time or, or they, they don't do the things that they know they're supposed to do, even if they've been given plenty of time, or maybe they got sticky fingers and took something home that they weren't supposed to do, went outside bounds. This is the way that you have somebody who's highly competent and even outgoing, powerful personality and all that stuff, but they don't have the character that sustains them. Are you guys seeing how this all fits for you and your kids? You develop character, com uh, confidence, and competence, and they can succeed at anything that they choose to do. It's true. Let's go to our next slide here. If they have a little bit of each, a decent amount of each, they will probably be a success. And so never forget, this is important, competence, confidence, and character. All three are there and necessary for you to be a success. All right, so let's go to our next slide. And here's our one to remember. 
been sharing this with you a couple of different times over the last couple of weeks. Paul writing probably one of the very last things he ever wrote that has survived. In 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 7, he said, I'm already being poured out like a drink offering, and the time for my departure is near. He's not talking about going somewhere else. He's talking about heading to heaven. And he knows that his time on this earth is short. He says, I fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I have kept the faith. Now, I love this passage of scripture. It's one of my favorites. And here is part of why it is so important to me. This is what I want to be able to say at the end of my life. That I have fought the good fight, I finished the race, and I've kept the faith even to the very end of my life. And whatever I have left behind, I have left behind. But I fought even to the very end. Now, let me just share this with you very quickly. This scripture quotation at the bottom, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 6. Written as a letter to Timothy from Paul while he was in, how many of you guys know what I'm about to say? Prison. Prison. Now, let's be truthful. Can I get an amen if you were thrown into a jail? Your first consideration, your second consideration, your third, and maybe your last consideration would probably be about you rather than other people. Can I get an amen? I mean, just let's be honest about it, right? If I'm in prison, it's about me. It's about me. I mean, I'm worried about me. I'm thinking about me. I'm wondering why, why me? You know, all of these things. But what is Paul doing? He's adding value, not just to those that he can influence and help, but eventually God is taking that and using it in a much deeper and much more profound way. It becomes scripture because Paul, instead of throwing a pity party like Randy would, He starts writing a letter and saying, I want you to know these things. I've fought the good fight. I'm ready for my life to end here, and I've kept the faith, and I know that I'm waiting on a crown in heaven, and when that day comes, I'll be ready, and it won't be something that I dread. So here's what we know as we go to our next slide. These prison epistles are all listed, and down at the bottom is 2 Timothy. Let's go to our next slide, if you don't mind. Here is what I want to share with you. Um, you know, I want to just mention this to you. Uh, occasionally, as we slow down, uh, the, the, for some reason, the computer is slowing down. And as we go to our next slide, sometimes it just kind of sits there. It's like, okay, I'm coming. I'm just getting there slowly. Uh, our, our computer must be in its 50s. Um, anyway, so the big idea here is that we add value to every situation and every person that we encounter, including ourselves. And we'll go a little deeper. Let's talk about what that means very quickly as we go to our next slide. You can see that we have to know our value and we add worth to self in our own eyes as well as in the eyes of others as we act above our lowest impulses, above our lowest impulses. When somebody cuts you off in traffic, how many of you have an impulse? Can I? (laughs) Okay, right? When somebody gets in your face and raises their voice and yells and screams at you. How many of you have an impulse, right? We have an impulse. And sometimes I've heard of people giving into those. Not that I personally do, because you know what a holy guy I am. You know what I mean? Uh, But yeah, we have our lowest impulses. As Abraham Lincoln says uh, in the second inaugural address, 
that we can be one, but we have to have the better angels of our nature take over rather than our lowest impulse. It's not about revenge as we rebuild this country. It's about uh, each one of us raising our level and being willing to forgive and move forward. Our better angels of our nature. And here's what I want you to know. If you are trying to pass along something to your kids, if you want others to look at you as a man or a woman of God, if you can get to the place where you have these lower impulses, but you resist those and instead act in a way that you know is more God-honoring, more forgiving and more loving, you in your own eyes will be better and think more highly of yourself and others will respect you because you did not fly off the handle when you probably could have or it would have made perfect sense if you did. And guess who's always watching whenever we give in to our lowest? It, it's, it's, it should not be this way. I don't know why kids see it every single time we've ever said the wrong word or gotten upset about something or maybe just shaded the truth just a tiny bit, you know? I don't know why, but the kids are always there. Can I get an amen, <laughs> right? And they're like taking notes. They're like, mommy, I thought that you aren't supposed to. And you're like, why weren't you in your room? Why is this the one time you're not on an iPad and I can't get you? no matter how, yell, how loud I yell, right? So this is how it is. But we do these things and we begin to elevate in the, our own eyes and in others. And then secondly, we add value to people by helping and encouraging. And then if we can go back one more time, that third thing, we add value to situations. We just say, every time I walk into the room, I wanna change the temperature of every room and every encounter. I wanna leave somebody feeling better about their situation than when I encountered them, all right? So real quickly, once again, the big idea is we go to our next slide. We add value to every situation and person that we encounter, including ourselves. We hold ourselves to a higher standard. Would you guys read the big idea out loud with me on the count of three? Ready? One, two, three. Add value to every situation and person you encounter, including yourself. Okay, so very quickly, let's keep it moving, and we're going to go to our next slide. Here's something to learn. Jesus mentioned the man being robbed while traveling from Jericho to Jerusalem. It's a stretch of road that's well known for being a dangerous route when robberies, where robberies are common. And Jesus mentions a priest and a Levite. He's using kind of interchangeable religious people in the minds of his hearers, but priests are held to a little bit higher standard. And he was conveying that they were both good people who didn't help someone when they needed that help. Now, we're going to go a little deeper on the Good Samaritan and that idea and how we value ourselves by helping others and how we value them by helping them in the times that they need us. Let's go to our next slide. Luke chapter 10, verses 30 through 33. I want you to notice a couple of these things. I've highlighted them, changed some of the colors. I've bolded them, looked very close here. In reply, Jesus said to the man who was trying to justify himself, he said there was a man going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. And then verse 31, a priest, a holy man, happened to be going down the same road. We'll talk about that in just a second. When he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, who is kind of from that tribe of priests, when he came to the place and he, what? Saw him, 
he passed by on the other side. Let me ask you this question. The two people who walk by and do not help, did they or did they not see the man and know that he needed help? They knew it. Now can I get personal? You probably know that there are people in your life who need your help, but you probably don't get involved because you don't know where that all ends. You don't know where to draw the line. You don't want to start something that you're not sure exactly how long it will take or require of you, right? All it takes for evil to triumph is for good men and women to do nothing when they know they should do something, right? That's the old quote. And in this situation, a priest and a Levite both pass by, see the man, and go, somebody needs to help that guy. And then they keep walking. See what I'm saying? Let's keep moving. Let's keep talking about this real quickly. In every Jew's way of speaking, it was going towards Jerusalem. That was going up to Jerusalem. And likewise, going away from Jerusalem was going down from Jerusalem. It did not matter uh, where you were, if you were higher in elevation or north or whatever. They, in their mind, a Jew believed that Jerusalem was the pinnacle of the earth. And so you were always going up to Jerusalem or going down from Jerusalem. And if you notice, Jesus says that a priest happened to be going down the same road in verse 31. In other words, what's happened is that man who was probably on a rotation and needed to be ceremonially clean had already done his priestly duties and he could have helped that man because he did not have to do something right away that would require him to be ceremonially clean. But instead, he said, oh, I don't know that I want to help him. That would make me ceremonially unclean. It would require a lot for me, and I'm just not feeling that right now. And so he kept walking. Do you guys understand what, what I'm saying here? The priest was likely already finished with his priestly duties, didn't help, so he could remain ceremonially clean. In other words, I found a reason not to help that I kind of talked myself into accepting rather than the one where I knew in my heart of hearts I should have helped. You see what Jesus is saying to this man who wants to justify himself. Why does he want to justify himself? Because he wants to help those he wants to help and then he wants to not help those that he doesn't want to help. I want to do things that benefit me and help me. And if that sprinkles a little extra, great. If not, I don't want to do it. Jesus says, let me tell you, which one do you think was a friend? Because he throws in a big curveball. He says, but then that third man that walked by was a Samaritan. Now, do you guys know what a Samaritan was? That was a person that they were pushed outside of the Jewish thought and they called them Samaritans and dogs because they had defiled the beautiful Jewish race by intermarrying with those of different faiths and different bloodlines and all of these prejudicial things. But Jesus said, yeah, well, two great men on the surface walked right by, but the man who everybody thought was a terrible person walked by and gave everything that he knew that that man needed for his healing and his help. 
You tell me, which one do you figure is actually being the right kind of neighbor when you say God wants you to love your what? Neighbor. You see what's going on in this story? So as we keep moving here, very quickly, the Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he saw him just like the other two, but this time he took pity on him. Then he went to him, and I want you to notice how many things it says that the Samaritan had to do to be a help to save this man's life. He went to him. He bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. In other words, it was costing him money. Because this was basically medicine in that day. And then he put the man on his own donkey. Let me ask you a question. Where was he walking? (laughs) Near his donkey, he was not riding anymore. He gave the man who is injured the better chance. And he took him to an inn and took care of him. Uh, And then we go to our next slide. The next day, he took out two days worth of wages And gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him. And when I return, I'll give you more. If that is what is required to help this man to get back on his feet. That's the New Texas version. Okay. So let's go to our next slide. And just notice Jesus in this passage. I want to start sharing this with you guys. I want to make sure that we always honor Jesus above all things. Where is Jesus in this passage? Jesus is the good Samaritan. He's the one who sees the sinful and the terrible and the awful in our life. But instead of saying, I'm too holy, I'm going to walk over here. He instead says, I will empty myself. I will pay what you cannot pay. You don't have a purse anymore because yours was stolen. Well, I'm going to give it back to you. I'm going to put you on the donkey instead of me riding it, and I'm going to do everything that it takes to bring you back to health, and I'll do it all free of charge, and I will do it all because I love you. That's Jesus in this passage. We see him clearly. Not only is he the one telling the story, but he is the good Samaritan in this story. He puts himself right in the middle of our situation. So let's keep moving here. And I want to just share with you, what do we pass along? We pass along to our kids. We pass along to ourselves. We always add value to myself, to people, and to situations that I encounter. Let's move this pretty quick. Let's go to our next slide. Very quickly, how do you add value to yourself? You don't give in to the worst version. You add to your competence, competence, and character all the time. And then you get engaged and you sacrifice for others rather than find reasons not to. And very quickly, I just want to share with you, you might be thinking, well, Randy, I thought we weren't supposed to think about ourselves very much and this whole self-value and self-worth and all that. Do you guys remember the passage of scripture where he says, but you should love your neighbor as what? So doesn't that imply that we will look out for ourselves, that we have a certain value that we have placed on our own life? So if I value others as I value myself, there is an inherent self-worth and value. And so we keep moving on that, and here's what we do instead. We don't walk around and go, I'm so good, I'm so powerful, I'm so worth things, you know, any of that. No, we instead think less often of ourselves. As C.S. Lewis shared with us in this next slide, humility is not that you think less of yourself, is that you think of yourself less. 
less often. It's not about me every single moment of every single day. Let's keep moving here to our second slide. How do we add value to situations? Again, we don't give in to the worst version of ourselves. We don't blow our lid when we could. We make those sacrifices of time, talent, and treasure just like that good Samaritan. And then we engage in those situations that need help and change, not just simply let them lay over there on the side of the road. And if we can turn our head and forget, we'll be on to something else and forget about the nastiness of this world situation instead. You understand what I'm saying? You find a reason to get involved. Roll up your sleeves. Hey, look, I rolled up my sleeves. Uh, you roll up your sleeves and get involved rather than just simply walking by. And then thirdly, how do you add value to others? Through encouragement. And real quickly, words, action, presence. Words, action, presence. And I highlighted that presence because I want to share something with you. Sometimes this is where we tell ourselves it's okay to walk by when people need us. Well, I just don't know what I would say. I just don't know what I would do. If you've ever been in a really hard situation, sometimes you know that it can almost be frustrating when people come in and try to give you reasons and stories and, and decisions that you need to make and all that. But if somebody will just come in, put their hand on your hand and say, I am sorry that you're going through this and I just don't want you to go through it alone. Your presence speaks volumes. You don't have to be perfect. You don't have to be wise. You just have to be there. And that's all that's, all that's needed. So I encourage you, how do you add value to people? You can give words, you can do actions, but you can also just simply be there when somebody really genuinely needs you. And then finally, through kindness, that's words and actions. Let's keep moving here to our, don't miss this. Your parenting should teach how to live by the golden rule. Even if no one notices, even if there's no one there to make them, how choosing to help others is an in-the-moment decision that pays us and them long-term. In other words, you should convey to your kids, we help people not just because they need help, but because being Christ-like helps us. That's who we are. And that's what I always try to do with my girls. I would always tell them, I was like, that's who we are. That's what we do. When other people need help, we don't just simply walk by and just let them figure it out on their own. We roll up our sleeves, we get in, and we help because that's who we are, that's what we do. If you will do that with your kids or your grandkids or whoever you're trying to pour in, this will help them to understand that helping others truly turns around and helps us. Let's keep moving. Very quickly, I apply by, you add value in these ways, and then you sow seeds in these ways. Very quickly, I would encourage you, add value by simply making sure that it's movement that you reward and honor, not intention. Because most of us intend to do the right thing, but the only thing that we are ever judged on is not our intentions, but our actual actions. And so, honor movement every time. And when your kid says, well, you know, I, I didn't do it right. You just say, it didn't matter that you didn't do it right. 
We can work on that, but what we can't work on is you saying it's better to not be involved. So I am glad that you showed the kind of person you are by choosing to get involved when most people were walking the other way. You see how that works? Share with them, honor them, and then maybe just this week, do it together as as your kids are out of school or whatever it is. One name, one situation that you know needs some help, be a blessing one time this week. Now, I want to close us out real quickly. Let's go to our next slide. From psychology today, in helping others, you help yourself. And this is the story that is shared here. And then I'm going to ask Colin, I'm going to quote from this article from psychology today, uh, written on May 30th, 2018. But then I'm going to ask Colin to go to our next slide. This incredible quote, And let me just share that this woman is not a Christian author writing in a Christian way, but I want you to hear the Good Samaritan parable put into psychology today's language. Research has found many examples of how doing good in ways big or small not only feels good, but also does us good. For instance, the well-being boost and depression-lowering benefits of volunteering have been repeatedly documented as has the sense of meaning and purpose that often accompanies altruistic behavior. If you don't know what altruistic behavior is, that's behavior that's meant to benefit others but not self. And this is very interesting. Donating to a charitable organization activates the same regions of the brain that respond to monetary rewards or sex. (laughs) Good thing the kids are all gone. We can talk about it. It literally is the same area of the brain that sex and rewards of money are activating. It's the same thing when you begin to give for good causes. Isn't that crazy? It's the way that we're hardwired. God hardwired our bodies to give to others, not to hoard, to be a blessing, to get involved, to roll up our sleeves and help rather than pass by on the other side of the road. And then we go on and on. It talks about how it lowers the rate of depression. And if you haven't noticed, your kids and your grandkids are in a bad place right now. The rate of depression has skyrocketed and doubled and maybe gone up as much as 80 additional percent from what it was back before COVID. So if you aren't helping them with that, do this. Tell them, hey, it's, I just want to make sure that we're doing other things to be a blessing to other people because it will almost always swing back and be a blessing to them, not just to those that they are being a blessing to. And then let me read to you her final line as it will be mine. St. Francis of Assisi's words ring especially poignant. It is in the giving that we receive. So when he calls us to be a good Samaritan, it is for their benefit and for yours and mine. We add value wherever we go. Heavenly Father, as we end our time together, it is our prayer that you would help us to be that example of the one who sees someone in need and gets involved rather than finding reasons to not 
be connected to what they're dealing with. I pray that you would help us as your representatives to be a blessing in our world and that every situation, every person, and every person that we are would all have the temperature changed because of our willingness to be like you and to serve and love and be kind to other people. Lord, make us in your image what you would have us to be. In Jesus' name we pray. And everyone together said, amen. Thank you guys so much for your time and your attention. And my watch, I hope, uh, I got no phone. I'm already doing the pat down thing. I think my watch is right and you're out before 12. Thank you so much for your time and for your attention. Every time you think about our kids being up at camp this week, please say a prayer for them, that their hearts would be open, that God would speak to them and change their lives. And right now, we're gonna end today's time together in the way that we always do. And I would encourage you to say it right along with me. We've just heard God's word. Now let's go live it. Love you guys. Y'all have a great week. God bless. You're dismissed.